Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for tuning into the live broadcast. Welcome to Kensington. We're here at the Orient Campus. My name's Chris. We're so glad you've tuned in today. Guys, today we're in week two of our new series, It's Just a Phase. You know, it's just a matter of weeks, hundreds of weeks, actually, until your, from the time your child is born until they become an adult, an adult and leave to college. And that seems like a blur. But you know what? We're going to talk about how to maximize that time, how to add value to your child, to your young adult in such a way that they're going to become the person that God's created them to be. So we're so glad you've tuned in today. Uh, join us for 40 Days of Prayer. It begins this Tuesday right here at the Orient Campus. You can sign up right now, kensingtonchurch.org slash 40 days. So even if you're joining uh, online right now, but you're part of this this community physically, Join us for 40 Days of Prayer. We really believe that God's going to move in a powerful way. But anyway, guys, we're going to get going here in about 90 seconds. We've got a great 65-minute service planned for you today. Ryan Morrill's in the house. Great music. A lot of fun. Hope you have an awesome day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for again for tuning in. Bye-bye. we 
Wow. Come on, keep cheering. That feels good. You guys are awesome. That's what these, these people are saying. Hey, welcome this morning. Wow. <laughs> they try cheer it, for them. Try it again, Don't give me a welcome. Yeah, try it again. Welcome this morning. There we are. Hey, anyways, for, on a serious note, my name's Josh, and this is Kim, our associate campus hey. director. Everyone say hi, Kim. Cool. Hey, what, what's cool about that song is it really is saying that, like, when it comes to brotherhood, band of brothers, that kind of thing, we'll do anything that it takes to, to, to be there for that person. And so Kim actually uh, asked us if she could come up this weekend and share something that God's done uh, in her life this, this past week. She was in Kenya. And um, the lo- oops, a couple claps for that. That's awesome. Claps. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. The Lord did something awesome in your heart, and then we have something that we can ask people to connect into. Out yeah. of that. So why don't you share? Totally. Um, yeah, so I feel so blessed. I got to be a part of one of our short-term mission trips that went to Kenya, working with uh, Pocat there. Um, this is my second time to Kenya, and what we are doing there is making such a difference. And I say we, meaning like all of you. Any of you who have ever sponsored a child, help with Hope Water, whatever it might be, um, to be there and see firsthand the difference that we are making on the ground there is incredible. The smiles on these kids' faces, uh, the women that we are partnering with there, and the work that is being done is just overwhelming, and they are just overflowing with love um, for who Jesus Christ is, which is just so cool. So, um, yeah, so you might not even know, but Kensington has a grassroots child sponsorship program uh, called No Child. Um, Nochild.org is actually the website. Um, But you can sponsor a child in Kenya, Nepal, and also in India, um, which are three of our global partners. Um, And it's just an amazing opportunity for us to pour out for our brothers and sisters on the other side of the globe. Uh, When I was there this year, I fell in love with a little girl um, named Purity. She is 10 years old, and uh, she doesn't have a mom. She just now came to school for the very first time at age 10. She started in January, and um, the Lord moved, and I'm going to sponsor her, and I'm going to sponsor her until she makes it all the way through high school, if uh, the Lord keeps saying so. So I'm praying that that can happen. But there are kids like that who need us, um, and we're doing amazing things because we've been there for 10 years sponsoring children. Um, so many of them now are on the way to secondary education, which is high school for them. Uh, but that takes funds. They have to test to get into high school in many of these uh, countries. And in Kenya, I'm pleased to say that all the kids in all three of our uh, orphanages that we partner with all tested high enough to go on to high school. That's huge. That is absolutely huge. So, um, yeah, we should be really proud of that. So. Just whatever you can do, whatever God lays on your heart, check out the website. If you have any questions, I'd love to chat. And I know there's many of you that already partner with this program, and I really thank you. Uh, thanks, Kim. I appreciate it. Let's, yeah. let's hear it for Kim. It's awesome to... Honestly, if you're new with us today, you just got a glimpse of the heart of Kensington, the heart of our three leaders, Dave, Steve, and Mark. Uh, when they started this church 28 years ago, one of the biggest things is that they said, we don't want people just sitting in seats every week. We want people to go. We want people to go and show Jesus to the entire world. And so this is just one way to do that. My family and I, we sponsor um, a girl in Nepal. And it's really cool, especially with my six-year-old and my three-year-old, being able to engage with them in this process. We write letters, um, and they write letters to us, and so we're able to interact that way. But it's really awesome to be able to pray with, um, with our children 
about what it looks like to make a small difference in somebody's life. And so please, like, like Kim said, consider being a part of that and partnering with us. We'd love that. And so here's what I also want to say. If you're brand new with us, like I said, you just got a glimpse of the heart of Kensington, the heart of our leadership here. Um, and I also want to say, if you're new with us, out in our lobby, in this area over here in the south end of our lobby, we have some people in some orange shirts in an area called Starting Point. That's the starting point for you. Um, what you can do, though, what's cool about that is you can ask them any questions about this place. You have any, any, any questions about maybe even a tour. Hey, show me around what, uh, what this building looks like and everything. We'd love to do that. But also, there's a free gift for you. So please, like I said, if you're new with us, check that out. Um, get, get plugged in. Get connected in, in, in any way you can. I have a few more things I want to share with you. Some awesome things happening at this campus specifically and then also the greater uh, uh, Team with our eight campuses. But the first thing does directly affect our community here, and that is we actually just finished a prayer room in the north end of our building over here in the lobby. And this is really cool because we've been wanting to see just a movement of God in this place when it comes to prayer and when it comes to to honestly opening the Bible as a community. So here's what we're actually doing. We're launching this on Tuesday. We're uh, we're launching the prayer room and we're doing a 40 days of prayer. And that's 24 hours of prayer. You can also, like I said, you can sign up for this at kensingtonchurch.org slash 40 days. But here's the thing that a lot of people have been asking us. Hey, if I sign up for one of these, is there going to be a community and a group of people in there? And that's that's not the case. If you sign up for one of these, you're signing up for a time slot. And they're an hour time slot. And you're signing up to be there um, on your own. Uh, and, and there's prompts in the room, things to pray for, things in our community that we're asking the Lord to move in. But if this is something that you would want to connect with, please do that. You can also tour the prayer room after the service. Like I said, it's out here in the north end of our lobby. Uh, we'd love to connect you into that. So please mark that in your calendar. It starts this Tuesday. And you can sign up at kensingtonchurch.org slash 4040 days. Um, okay, cool. And the other thing that I want to point your attention to is this, is for students. How many middle school and high school students do we have out there? Come on, give me your hands. I'm not going to call you up. Don't worry. I see you're probably in middle school because you just went like this. So <laughs> wasn't going to reveal too much. Hey, but here's the thing. I want to say this is we have something for middle school students that I, I honestly believe it's the best event at Kensington. It's called The Takeover. And so this is an all-nighter where all of our campuses, except for our Traverse City in Orlando, I have to put that exclaimer out there, but all of our campuses get together. They're going to start here, and then we go all around the city to different places like Airtime. We do dodgeball at Lifetime Fitness, things like that. But I am telling you, maybe church or maybe going to a youth ministry isn't the thing you want to necessarily do. This is a great way to start, a great way to get plugged in, and this is honestly just a big party event. Um, we're also going to hear about Jesus. So there you go, parents. Still still good purpose to it. But I'm telling you, this is probably one of the best things that we do here. So if you're in middle school or you know anybody in middle school, it, it's a great event to invite people to. And the last thing I want to mention is this. For our uh, high school and middle school ministries, this summer we're going to Wisconsin. Um, now, now here's the cool thing about this trip. Is it's not just a normal summer camp. A lot of times churches take summer camps. And it's cool because they get to sing some songs and they get to be secluded and talk about Jesus. That's all going to happen. But here's what's cool about this trip is, again, this is part of our core values here. And people, um, the students will be serving the greater area um, of Racine, Wisconsin. Now, there's, I guess there's a huge homeless population out there um, that's connected to the camp. And so our students all week will, will be serving the greater community um, as a part of that. So please sign your kids up. Maybe, maybe they're interested. Uh, this is going to be an awesome week, June 17th to the 23rd. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to stand up, fist bump somebody, and tell them your worst parent fail of all times.
She took her first Look at step. Her. Have a great day, sweetie. I hope she'll be okay. Oh, she'll be fine. All right, hold still, honey. Here we go. Yeah, there it is. Okay, let's take a look. Oh, it's not too bad. Just a scratch. I think she needs stitches. Stop. I know. I know. I'm so sorry, honey. Girls can be mean. Be careful. And remember, everyone out there is an idiot. Oh. Oh, honey, you look so beautiful. What's his name? Seriously? Oh, look at you. My goodness. Honey, we're really proud of you. Okay, you're going to do great. I'll FaceTime you around four every day. <laughs> we'll see you about that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. It just went so fast. I know. I know. you 
sit there, I hear those words and listen to that song. And my wife and uh, three children are here today. <laughs> and uh, just two weeks ago, we sat in our bed, my wife and I, and we were looking at all these pictures, the eighth grade yearbook baby photos do, right? And uh, all these pictures that just live in the digital world that we don't print out, we're scrolling through them. We're scrolling through them like 14 years of our life, and we can't believe, I mean, everybody says that phrase, where has the time gone? And I just have those pictures scrolling through my mind as I hear this beautiful song, because I don't want them to grow up, right? We're having too much fun. It's hard, but it's so rich and so wonderful right now. My name is Ryan Morrill, by the way, if you don't know who I am. I'm our kids and family director here, and I'm thrilled to share this message today as passion of my heart for the next generation. Um, the, the song you just heard, by the way, was from Taylor Swift, uh, written for her, uh, shortly after all the success and the glamour and the attention and the praise and all the money that she got, um, she bought a, a new, uh, a multi-million dollar condo. I don't know where it was, New York, Nashville, Los Angeles, and she's living in this place. And um, she's far away from the people she loves. She has everything anyone could want. She could have it at her fingertips. And yet she's reminded of, of in that time, in her loneliness of what is most important to her in her life and the people that were around her as she grew up. So we're in this series called This or Just a Face. And if you were here last week, Dave and Ann 
um, did an incredible job of just casting the vision for the importance that we have and the responsibility that every one of us has in this room that's a parent, been a parent, will be a parent of raising the next generation to understand and know who God and who Jesus is. And they talked about how uh, Dave mentioned that we have 40 hours maybe on average in a church where we get to share one hour a week with a child. If a person comes 40 weeks, I don't think that's the right number, honestly. I think we're lucky to have somebody come 20 to 25 weeks a year. That's actually probably the average right now attendance. A lot of people stream online. That's wonderful. But we love it when you come as a family. We love to have your kids back there. So we we get 25 hours a year where a parent has on average 3,000 discretionary hours to influence and point and direct and raise their child um, to know who Jesus is. And so you can see where the influence lies there, but yet there's this partnership, the heart of the family and the light of the church coming together. And that's a beautiful thing. Today we're going to talk about time, but I just want to say this too for all of us. There's a lot of parents in this room. We're glad you're here wherever you're out on the spectrum from expecting to maybe your kids are in high school right now and you're seeing a finish line approaching, or maybe they're in college and you just cross that finish line in a small way. Some of you have raised them. They're out of the house and you're thinking maybe about the next generation or, or maybe for some of you, you're thinking you're done. I, I, this doesn't apply to me, but I will just say this, is that God doesn't just um, think about um, the individual family. He thinks of generation to generation to generation. His timeline and our timeline are two completely different things. We get so individually oriented, so kind of focused on the immediate in our Western culture here that we kind of miss the fact that, that there's a whole generational thing that God has. It's, it's not a day to him. It's hundreds and thousands of years that he's seeing and that each of us plays a role. Wherever you're at in it, you have a role in thinking about and, and preparing for the future. We have to understand our past. We have to understand what's happening in our present. But we also have to understand our future as well. In my life verse, Psalm 78, talks about how I will pass on the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord to the generation, to the next generation, even the generation yet to come. And we all have a role in this day. So as you listen to this day, I hope you're listening through a framework that you are a part of a community, that you have a responsibility to. And it's not, just about, um, it's not just about your kids, but it's about who are you loving? Who are you influencing? Who's coming behind you that you are impacting as well? So I want to show you a picture of my family right now um, who are in here with us today. And as we do that too, we're going to take our offering. And so this is a moment for us who are part of this family here at Kensington Church. Um, if you've been coming for a while, you're, you're on board with us, you, you, you want to contribute, you want to see impact um, for the future generations, for the future of what the world is, because every dollar is about the future. We're not paying back the past, we're paying for, towards the future. So thank you to those of you who are on journey with us. Thank you those of you who are streaming as well, who are giving online. We th- uh, appreciate that so much. Every dollar is appreciated, and it's going again to impact what's, what God is doing generation to generation. To generation. So here's my family. Um, that is uh, my wife over there. That is Krista. Uh, she is, uh, we've been married 19 years this March. Can I hear it for that one? 19 years. So uh, she, is, uh, she is just a wonderful woman. She's a kindergarten teacher um, in Rochester. She loves flowers. She runs a little flower business on the side, does um, all sorts of wonderful things with that. She's incredibly crafty, incredibly creative. Uh, she loves the show Fixer Upper. Any Fixer Upper fans out there? Loves Fixer Upper. She is Joanna Gaines, right? That's who she is. There's one problem though. I am not Chip Gaines. If you know that show at all, the husband is incredibly handy and a carpenter in every way. And that is not me. She's more of that than I am. Uh, the middle boy there, I just want to talk about him first because you always, you know, the middle son always gets stuck in the middle. I don't want to make him the middle. I'm going to talk about him first. The middle son with the braces there. Um, that is Spencer. He is 12 years old. Incredibly smart. He is so 
just incredibly bright, incredible athlete too, plays basketball. He's going to play football soon. Um, he's going to watch out Cody Wilson because I think uh, things are in store for him. He, has a, he literally has a man bun going in the back of that picture. You can't see it, but there's a man bun and he got his hair chopped just a week and a half ago, which I'm so sad because he was my little uh, Sammy Hagar or David Lee Roth because I'm a huge Van Halen fan, right? And the hair is gone, but he looks clean cut and wonderful. The, the boy in the back, that's Cooper. He's our 14 year old. Um, he loves everything with John Deere, tractor equipment, snow blowers, you name it. He's passionate about that. He loves drones. He's a great basketball player in himself. And every once in a while, I go into his room at night and he's on his phone. And I, you know, as a parent, I'm like, what is he looking at? God, please, you know, whatever he's looking at, let it be good. And I go and I look on his phone and he's watching tractor uh, customer service review videos. <laughs> right? I'm like, yes, he's going to be all right. So happy about that one. And the bottom one there is Parker. He's our six-year-old. Uh, came on a lo- along a little later, but such a wonderful reminder. We get to do everything again with him that we got to do with the other ones. I just got to go to his kindergarten Valentine's Day party this week. And I was in, put in charge of the game where a big old sheet was hung down from the ceiling with different size hearts in it. And I backed all those kindergartners up and I had them, you know, two, they, they would compete one here, one there at a time. They'd crinkle up paper and they have to throw it through. And there were different points for different hearts you threw through. And I made it so hyper competitive. I only made three kids cry that morning, which is wonderful. The, kid, uh, the teacher absolutely loves it when I show up for the parties. So, but time is flying by, right? It is flying by. And I look at that and I don't want this picture to change. I know in another five years, as we get to the end of high school, four and a half years, as we get to the end of high school, I'm going to be looking at this picture and saying, oh my gosh, where did the time go? And one thing we can't stop is time. No matter how good you are, no matter how together you are, time happens. Steve Anders, years ago, I was the high school director here at Kensington. And Steve Anders, uh, was in, I invited him to speak and all the high schoolers are in the room. And they're not paying attention to things they're caring about. Who's sitting over there and who's there? I don't think they had phones yet, but they weren't listening to a thing that he said at the beginning. But I was standing to the back and this is what he said. I'm quoting it verbatim. He said, when I was young, an hour felt like a day. A day felt like a week. A week felt like a month, and a month felt like a year. For children, time goes so slow, doesn't it? Now that I am older, a year feels like a month. A month feels like a week. A week feels like a day, and a day feels like an hour. One thing we can't stop or control is time. So how are we doing everything we possibly can to use it in the best way possible for Jesus. I went and looked online this week. You've seen some of these before, but I looked online this week just at how we spend our time, right? Um, it's crazy when you really think about um, over the course of a lifetime how, how we spend it. So first one, you guys, this is, again, surprising, but we probably realize this. We spend 25 years of our life sleeping. One third of your life, woo, way in the back. Yes, right? Some of us want that to be higher, <laughs> I wish I could have more. One third of your life is spent sleeping. Women spend 1.5 years doing their hair. Right? 14,000 hours brushing, washing, blow drying, straightening, curling, and cutting. Looks great, ladies. You drive a car for 4.3 years of your life. In that time, you'll cover enough distance to go to the moon and back three times. In a lifetime, women and men spend about 287 days, almost a year, deciding what to wear. Right? I'm sure there's a few guys in the room said, I spend less than a day of my life trying to figure out what to wear. You know? And some of you probably spend a decade of your life 
averages out. We work about 10.3 years of our life. We watch TV for 9.1 years. In a lifetime, you spend 3.6 years eating. Yep. You spend 1.5 years in the bathroom, right? Take a book with you. Imagine the amount of books you can read. You spend 14 days of your life kissing, right? That's a good thing. Hopefully it's the right person. And the last one, here you go, the coup de grace. For the next generation, my children's generation, they will spend 13.1 years of their life looking at their cell phones. Holy cow! That's a lot of time. That is my son. He's 14 now. Imagine the whole life looked at the cell phone between sleeping in bed and looking at your phone. That is half of your life. Half of your life spent right there. What I know for sure is that if each, each of us want to use the time, that each of us want to use the time we have in the best way possible. And if we learned today that tomorrow was our last day on earth, we would use the time that we have very differently. We tend to see time as this unlimited commodity. Even though we're busy, even though we have so much things going on, we still tend to think that we're always going to have it. Kind of like water, right? We just think we're always going to have water. But to realize that the clock is literally ticking and as parents, as leaders of the next generation as people who have people coming behind them in the past, we have to realize how precious time truly is. And if you put it in the context of a clock, a clock always shapes things um, in regards to, especially like when things, you know, the importance of something coming to an end. Uh, Like, for example, a sporting event. Imagine uh, watching the Super Bowl and there's no time clock. Guys are just going back and forth. There's no tension in that. There's no urgency in the fourth quarter at all. The fourth quarter really doesn't even need to exist at that point in time. You're watching a basketball game. You have no concept. The guys can just keep the ball at the end of the court for all they want. There's no 48-second clock or anything like that. But a clock kind of frames things, especially as we're getting down with less and less time. I asked Cooper for permission to talk about this, but four or five years ago, he tried out for, or he went on to, he he was on a a recreation basketball team. It was his first basketball experience, right? And he had played with a bunch of kids that had been playing basketball um, for their, uh, for many years. And so he was the new kid on the block and he was learning a lot about basketball. And it was an interesting year for us as we watched from the stands um, as his parents. And he's improved, he's an incredible basketball player. But that first year, it was like, wow, this is a learning experience for us. And so games went by, and you know, if you're a parent, you just want your kid to score a basket. Please, just get him a basket. And we had eight games, and we went through seven games, and there's no basket at all that came his way. And we saw some interesting shots from near half court with plenty of time left on the clock that was going on. And the game, we're at the final game, and the first 10 minutes go by and nothing. And then, the, you know, we enter, uh, first 20 minutes, we enter into the second period, and um, things are winding down. We get a 20-point lead, and Cooper's rotation's out there, and there's no basket, and there's five minutes left, and it's time for him to come off the court. But the next thing you know, we see him still on the court. And uh, all of a sudden, we see the other, the best, the four other best players on the team are out there. And now we start to see, and you can even hear the coach, get it to Cooper! And with five minutes left, every single pass is going to my son. And the clock is ticking down. And he, no basket. He had five minutes, four minutes, three minutes, two minutes, one minute. There's 30 seconds left on the clock. The other team's driving down on the basket. There's a steal from this player on our team named Jeff. And my son, for some reason, was at the other end of the court. And he throws this long pass to Cooper at 20, 19, 18. And he's clear over in the corner. You know the corner. Three-point line. Like, he's way out there. I'm like, just like, dribble it in. Just dribble it in. What do I do? But he takes it and he hucks it up in the air. And it flies all the way through the air. And it goes in for a three-pointer. I was like, yes! We got our basket. It was such a wonderful moment. And when the clock is ticking, 
You do everything you can with the time you have remaining. You want to get a victory for an individual or for a team with what you have left. Ben Franklin wrote, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that is the stuff life is made of. William Penn wrote, Time is what we want most, but what we use the worst. We want our kids to be successful. We want the next generation to steer around the pitfalls of life. We want them to develop character. Many of us want our kids to develop a faith, and all of us want them, want them to care about what matters most. And if you learn about Jesus and you open up Scripture, you see that what Jesus wants more than anything else, he boils it down all the way down, all the laws, all the commandments in the, in the Gospels, in the New Testament. He boils it all the way down to two simple things, to love God with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your strength. First thing, the second one is like it, to love others, to love your neighbors as you would yourself. These are the two most important things that we need to spend all of our time around as parents, as leaders of what's coming up behind us. So if that's what Jesus talked about, that's what I want to talk about. That's what I want to do with the people that are around me. I want to first love him first and then love others second. And any parent that gets their kid to grab hold of that is it's a huge victory. That is victory number one. So how do we do it? How do we reorient our values? How do we, how we reorient how we experience people and time um, to, to get that to, to accomplish that? So what we're going to do is we're going to open up a passage where Jesus has an interaction with the people group. And then we're going to look also at a passage where Moses kind of offers us a little bit of a 30,000 foot perspective. So the first one with Jesus, I'll just say this. Um, we spend time with people we value. You go on a trip around the world with somebody, you're going to probably value that person because you're going to want to be sitting next to them for all of that time. You're going to be in the car because you, you value that person. You go out to dinner with somebody, you value them. You sit down and you listen to them for a long period of time, you're showing value to them. We've all experienced where someone at some point has shown his value. We've also all been on the opposite end of that spectrum when people have devalued us. They've forgotten about us. They didn't show up when they said they would. They walk by us time and time again. We've all had this happen where somebody walks by us time and time again. They don't even make eye contact. They won't even say hello to us. And we feel devalued in that. But Jesus, being who Jesus is, um, shows value and turns kind of the social norms upside down. Because there was only certain people you valued back in first century Jerusalem. Jesus turns that all around. It says this in Matthew 19, verse 13. It says, Then people brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And the key word that jumps out at me as I read through this, I've read through this hundreds of times. The key word that jumps out is rebuke. I always just kind of read the word, rebuke. That's how I say it. But then I think about what is a rebuke? A rebuke is not just a kind little statement. A rebuke is, what are you doing? Stop right there. Don't even think about it. Do you realize who this is? And you're not even supposed to be there. That's the tone. That's the attitude of the disciples as Jesus is approaching them. But again, Jesus does what he always does. And he shows value to so many different people who didn't get value before. He shows value to different races who didn't have, um, who were, who were, who were see, uh, not, not looked upon well within that society. He shows value to the opposite gender. Again, the opposite gender was not viewed um, in, the, in the way it is in our world today. Jesus began to change that norm. 
And Jesus shows value to an age group that nobody else wanted to hear from. Because children back in that day were to be seen, not heard. In fact, a, a child until the age of 13, a 13-year-old boy was not even to, a man would not even interact with a child until 13 years of age when he was kind of considered a man, so to speak, at that moment in time. Men had nothing to do with him. And Jesus is changing everything in this moment. And he's saying, whoever welcomes a child in my name welcomes me. Because they're a pretty big deal. You want to understand who I am? Get on the level with this one. You want to show value and love to me? Interact with someone that nobody else wants to interact with. But it, became, it could be hard. It could be hard for you to love people that you don't necessarily have a lot in common with. I'm sure a lot of you would probably rather go have a root canal than spend an hour with our two-year-olds back there on a Sunday morning. Am I right? There's some of you that would probably feel that way. Because being with kids at times is not always easy, and sometimes it can be a little bit painful. Uh, a couple Tuesday nights ago, I was here at the church, and we're, uh, we, 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 we were hanging out with a bunch of the kids, a couple of us adults, and I took a couple of kids out while some of the classes were going on. We were, we were playing. I was playing soccer with this one boy, and my hair was a little longer then, and when my hair is longer, uh, you can probably see some of it now, but it's hot. when it's longer, it looks definitely aged more. I guess we'll use that way. It's just a little bit more aged, different gray tone to it. And, um, and so anyway, I take off my hat at one point while I'm playing soccer with this boy. His name's Ray. He's four years old. I take off my hat and he just stops. He looks at me. He goes, man, your hair is white. I was like, thank you so much, Ray. He goes, you look better with your hat on. Put your hat back on, Mr. Ryan. This other little boy, his name's Chase. He walks up. He says, hey, Mr. Ryan, at least he likes your hat. You know, I was like, Felt two cents waiting for change on that one. They are who they are. There is no pretense. But Jesus is saying, I want you to treat your kids like you would treat me. I'm good. I'm good. And they are good as well. If you welcome them, you are welcoming me. Kirsten Ivey, who is part of the team, we subscribe to this whole orange curriculum. It's what Dave talked about last week. It's what we run back there every single weekend in our kids' department. And she's part of the team that puts that together. She says this, you can't champion a better future for kids unless you consistently challenge the priorities of adults. Let me say that again. You can't champion a better future for kids or for the next generation unless you consistently challenge the priorities of adults. If we want the next generation to be understanding who God is, to love him, with all of their heart, soul, and mind, and to love others the way we want them to, then we have to shift our priorities, every single one of us in this room, because Jesus made the next generation a really, really big deal. But the challenge is, is that time that we have in order to do that, because it seems to be slipping away from us so quickly. Uh, just a couple realities here. If you have a preschooler in your house right now, you have 12 hours a day with a preschooler. Seems like an eternity, right? If you have that long of it with a child. Think about that. Naps are very precious, I'm sure. If you have an elementary age kid, six hours is what you get with them in a day. Middle school, which I'm seeing right now, you're lucky if you have four hours. And if you have a high schooler, you're lucky if you even get two hours. What we have to realize, because so many times we're just managing time, we're just managing our children and managing schedules, but we have to realize that we're not raising children. We are raising adults. Adults who have impact in this world. And we hope impact in his name to change it. 
and to show the light of Christ to all generations that come behind them as well. So that's what Jesus said about time. I want to give us a little bit of perspective of what Moses does too, because he kind of steps back and he, he gives us 30,000 foot perspective on time. Jesus talks about who to value and how you should value it um, or how you should value them. Moses just talks about numbering of days, how much he has left and, and just giving some perspective as he looks back all of the years of his life. He says this in Psalm 91 through 12. And by the way, he's reflecting too. He had, he's had a great life. He's thinking about the ups and the downs, the successes and failures. And this is what he writes um, as he's coming to the end. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. There's that word again, generation from generation to generation. It's not just about my generation. It's every generation. And before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, going all the way back to creation, he says, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You are present in all of it. He says, you return man to dust and say, return, O children of man. And for a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past or as a watch in the night. There we are. A thousand years is like one day to God. And the years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we all fly away. And then he writes this statement. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Literally pausing and saying, think about what we have now. Think about what we have left and grow for us an awareness of that so that we can have the greatest impact possible. It's almost like he's calling a timeout right now. Because what a timeout does is everybody to stop and focus and rethink about what's coming up. Yesterday in the basketball game, I'm coaching my um, eighth grade son's basketball team. We got that fateful email if you've ever had your kids sign up for sports. And like you get that email like, uh, we don't have a coach for the team. If there's any parent that wants to step up and be this, I'm like, I'll be a sucker, you know. So I sign up for it and um, I'm learning as I go along. I don't know how to coach basketball at all. And we are one and two going into yesterday's game. Big, you know, one win, two losses. This is a big game, right? We really want to win this game. And with five seconds left, we're down 32 to 31. We got the ball at half court. And what, the play that I wanted to run was I wanted um, one of our guys to come up from underneath. His name is Jacob. Literally set a pick for um, who was at that point. Um, one of our guards, his name is Nick. He was just on fire yesterday. Set a pick for Nick. Nick would then run around that pick, come over to the top of the key, maybe, maybe at the 2 o'clock on the three-point line, take the pass, turn, and shoot it. That was the play I wanted to run. Do you think that's the play that we ran? No. You know why? I never called timeout. I just let him run it. I just let him figure it out. And they passed it. It was a horrible pass. The ball got bounced around. They finally got it. They threw up a prayer from beyond half court and it just clanked off the backboard. I wish I would have paused for a second and used the time that I had left. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time that you have right now. Reminder of a clock again. So I want to use this as an example, just a visual for each of us in this room, because literally uh, the days are going by as quickly as we can possibly imagine. And in this jar that I'm going to pull out right here, literally there are 936 marbles. 936, those represent the number of weeks that a child has with you in your house from the day that they are born 
till the moment that they leave the home. By the way, uh, we picked this up um, a couple weeks, uh, a couple months back at a conference. And I'm telling you, um, if you get invited to a baby shower, you can buy these at parentthephase.com. They're 60 bucks. Um, you, drop, you buy one of these and give it at a baby shower. It is a drop the mic, boom, walk out of the moment time right there. Because everybody's going to be like, wow, right? And literally a parent takes a marble out every single week of their child's life. And so if you think about it, you have 120 weeks in diapers, 275 weeks before kindergarten, 575 weeks before the end of fifth grade, 730 weeks before the end of eighth grade, and 936 weeks before they leave your house. Now you think, that's a lot of time, right? Plenty of time. But this is how it seems to go in a row. By the way, for those of you in this room that don't have kids right now, I'll just say this. The average human being lives 78 years and six months. If you figure that out, you divide that that amount of years by months, it averages out to roughly 930 to 940 months of your life. So every person in this room, as you think about this, this is a week of your child's life. This is a month of your life. So on week one, he, she is born, right? You think you have all the time in the world, but then on week two, she cries all night. And then time slowly starts to move because on week 40... He finally stood up. And then in week 70, she flushed her keys down the toilet. And then on week 130, he was finally potty trained. You get a little boost to the budget right there, no more diapers. And then finally on week 182, she rolled her eyes at you for the first time. Week 234, he rode a bike without training wheels. And week 250, he finally finished preschool. First phase, done. 661 weeks left. At week 260, he starts kindergarten. At week 315, she spoke in pig Latin for two whole days. (laughs) Week 338, he got his first visit from the tooth fairy. Week 364, he no longer believes in the tooth fairy. Week 385, she sold you a $5 painted rock that you bought. Week 403, he got braces. Week 459, she went to her first slumber party. Week 494, he outgrew the kids' menu. Week 522, she put makeup on for the first time. And week 551, he asked you for a smartphone. And in week 552, he begged you for a smartphone. Second phase is done. 361 weeks left, and then it really starts to go. 572, she entered middle school. 573, she finally decided she was smarter than you. Week 624, he finally got that smartphone. Week 645, she decided that she was a vegetarian. Week 676, she could legally post to Instagram. Week 700, he went to the breakaway takeover, all-night event. Week 701, you as parents are still paying for the fact that he went to the breakaway all-night event. And finally, at week 617, he finishes eighth grade. Another phase done. 200 weeks left. This is me right now. 220. We'll take those 20 right now. Then it goes, 728, he starts high school. 735, she asked you when she could date. Week 780, 
He got his driver's permit. In 784, she backed into the garage door. Week 819, he was grounded for an entire month. Week 832, she got her driver's license. Week 858, she took the SAT. And week 861, when those SAT scores came back, you scratched Harvard off the potential college list. (laughs) Week 884, she broke up with her boyfriend. Week 900, she starts her senior year. And finally, with prom and applications, acceptance letters, homecomings, all of those things, graduation comes. And they end high school. And your weeks are gone. And it goes so fast. And what are you left with? You hope you have a great basis in your life. As parents, too, we can't put everything we can into this. We need to, but we also have to recognize who we are as people, too. And that Jesus has an identity for us as individuals. Ephesians 5.11, though, says, Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what matters most. And when you see how much time you have left, you tend to do more with the time that you have now. When you see how much time you have left, you do more with the time that you have right now. And just a couple ways that that happens. I just want to share this with you. If you have a preschooler, every week counts right now. Every single week counts. They need your touch. They need your, your, your trust. They need to have you literally right next to them. I think about my wife who literally sat in bed and read day, hour after hour, day after day with our children, snugging them up to them, watching a movie together, physically being this, this person, this rock for them so that they could see that there is somebody to trust. There's somebody stronger than them in this world and giving them a picture of who God is. Your time matters at that age group. For elementary kids, you want to give your time to focus on their abilities, to focus on their interests so that they can see that they were created specifically for, by God for a purpose in this world. My son Spencer, he had an interest in Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War back in fourth grade, summer before fourth grade. So what I did, I found three days. I didn't have three days, but I said, let's go. We got in the car. We rented a rental car at one o'clock in the afternoon. We drove all the way to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, stayed in a night in a hotel, woke up in the morning. The next day we went and toured Gettysburg battlefield the entire day. Couldn't pull me off of it. He just wanted to go in the toy shop and see the guns. I wanted to see the whole battlefield. Did that all day. We went to Baltimore, Maryland that night. Stayed the night. Woke up the next day. Toured Washington, D.C. We hit it all. White House, Capitol. We walked along the mall. Saw Ford's Theater. All of those things. Got in the car. Drove back to Cleveland. Woke up in the morning. Swam for an hour. Got back before 1 o'clock because I didn't want to pay another 40 days for the car rental. Right? Why did I do that? Because I want him to have a picture that God is bigger than just our little world here. That God is present through the past, through the present, and through our future as well. And I will treasure that trip the rest of my life. If you have a middle schooler, you want to be consistent with your time. Consistent because everything else in their world is inconsistent now. Friends are disappearing. They're, seeing, they're hearing inconsistencies about who God is and what science and creative evolution is. And so they're hearing inconsistencies They're seeing things fracture in this world and they just need a consistency. Be consistent with your time. Why am I coaching basketball when I don't even know when to call timeouts? Because I want to be consistent. 
and high school parents, use your time wisely to paint a bigger picture of this world for your kids. I love it. Kim comes up here and talks about South, going, to, going to Africa, seeing a huge world. You know how many high school kids have gone and seen the world and got a bigger picture of God when everything else in the world is shrinking them down to not even existing? That is what is so crucial for us as parents right now. And I'll just say this too. Um, if you have an elementary school kid in this room, if you have an elementary child, um, on our, uh, you can pull out on your phone. You can do this. It's called the Parent Q app. And you can load this app on your phone right now. Everything that we talk about on Sunday morning literally um, goes through this app. And you can see it. You can see everything happen. And what you do is you enter your kid's birth dates. And literally what I just did, you see ticking every week go by. And when you see their name pop up, you can see what happened in church this weekend. And you can engage in a spiritual conversation with them. And the, the goal is, the key is establishing daily rhythms. Simple daily rhythms that can work in your life. Right? Drive time, meal time, bedtime. When I drive my kids, I've done this for years now. I drive my kids and we'll get, we're on our way to school. We cross a little light there right at University of Livernois. And that's a cue to me. It's time to pray. I don't do it every day. There are days where I forget. I've got my mind and other things. But that's a cue for me to pray. I still remember praying the first time. My son Cooper kind of goes, Dad, is that a church thing that we just did right there? You know? It could be awkward. It could be weird. But you get in the habit of that. Your kids are going to remember that the rest of their lives. Every mealtime, at least pray. Hold hands together. Say grace. It's a simple thing to do. Ask the question, what did God do today? How did you see God today in your school? You can find an answer for that question. And at bedtime, I don't care if they're 17 years old. I'm still talking. They complain every night, my 14th Friday. Dad, we want to stay up later. Just go to bed. No, I'm seeing you to bed. I'm seeing you to bed right now. And we pray, we try to pray. There are times where we don't, but we try to pray together. And I want them to understand that I am there. I am present through all seasons of your life. I want them to have a picture of a God who is present through every season, every journey, every mountaintop, every valley of their life. But it takes my time. It takes my presence. It takes discipline to arrive at that. But I'll just say this as we get near the end, is that you can't do it alone. You're going to miss. You are going to waste weeks You are going to waste months. Many of you in this room have said, I've screwed up. I've wasted years of my life as a parent or as a single person. I've wasted time. But the beautiful thing is, is Jesus steps in and does more than you could ever imagine. Ephesians 3.20 talks about how Jesus steps in and he does infinitely more than we can ask or imagine on our behalf. And he does that for you. Every single day where you can't do it because of your hurt, your pain, your exhaustion, your trials at work, your trials and your relationships. Jesus steps in on your behalf. Simply let him. And he will be there with you. Doesn't mean it's going to turn out perfect. Doesn't mean it's going to turn out rosy. But he will be in that journey from generation to generation with you. Because at the end of it all, at the end of your life, There's only going to be a few people that are going to stand up and talk about you. And it's probably going to be the generation coming up behind you. Some of you in this room, it will be your children. If you're a grandparent in this room, you're thinking about, what are my kids? What are my grandkids going to want to say about me? And I've done a lot of funerals over the years where I literally sit down with a family and I ask the question. I'm like, so tell me about your mom. Tell me about your dad. And there have been that heartbreaking silence moment when there's kind of like a And there's not a lot to say. 
a few details here or there. But the best ones are when I can't shut them up. When they go on and on and on and their story after story after story, how my mom was there, my dad was there for me. He showed me he was consistent, steady in my life, despite his own fractured life. He was steady in my life. That's what I want people to do. I want people to not be able to shut up when I'm doing your funeral or when Dave's doing your, he may not be here, but he was doing your funeral. Don't make us make stuff up. Have other people telling your story. Have the next generation telling your story. So what we're going to do as we close is we're going to remember this generation to generation, the role and responsibility and the the time that each of us has to impact it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do what we call a, a responsive read to remember his promises in our life and in our world. And so what I'm going to ask you to do is to stand up if you feel comfortable. If you don't, that's okay. And I'm going to read a passage. And as a community, as a body, we will repeat or we will, we will respond to that together. The prompts will be up here on the screen for us to look at and read out loud together. First one says this. Our Heavenly Father, maker of all there is, We recognize the multitude of challenges facing families as we celebrate the bonds of families established through your love. We celebrate families everywhere. We understand that families are your design and that we need your guidance and direction in how to lead our families. We acknowledge... We affirm for every family faith, strength, and love. We further pray for family understanding, wisdom, and power. We pray for the inner strength of every family member, every parent, every spouse, every child, every sibling, every caregiver, that they may never forget your promise to strengthen them and cause them to stand. We get to remember his promises. Every single day. Let us not forget that together.
We read, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And we say amen. Christ, glory of God. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins in purity. Purify us from an unrighteousness. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Say amen. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. Say amen through Christ to the glory of God. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. We say amen through Christ and to the glory of God. Jesus said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. We say amen through Christ. Glory to God. We will rest in promises by confidence. I will rest in your promises, my confidence is your faithfulness. I will rest, I will rest in 
Moses again said, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Each day, each week, each month of your life, children or not, you have the ability and the opportunity to impact someone else with the love of Jesus. I was just thinking the best day for me, the best time is when on Sunday night, my, uh, my son's kindergarten small group leader can't be there. Best night, because you know what happens? I get to step in. I don't have time to do it. It's crazy. I got all these other things I got to do, but I get to step in. And the wonderful thing was, you should see the look on my son's face when I get to be there. There's times where I get to teach up in front of all the kids. He's literally like, he's literally saying to the kids, that's my dad up there. That's my dad. You have the ability to be present in the next generation to make every single week count, knowing that Jesus is walking along side by side with you. I want to share this too. Each of you is going to get a marble on your way out today uh, to remind you of the weeks you have, uh, whether you are with children or they are gone. It's each month, each day matters and make it count for Jesus in their life. Uh, We are back here uh, next week, obviously for part three of this series. And we have midweek starting on, uh, on Wednesday night. I just want to say this too. Sign up for the prayer room. Do it. And do it as a family. Don't just see this as an isolated thing I'm going to do by myself. Do it with your family. Have them see you. Have them experience that with you as well. They will never forget it. So enjoy your day. Spend great time together. And we'll see you back here Wednesday and next Sunday. Good day.